0: There's a lot of different things that, that God has used to bring us his blessings and to shape us as we are today. Now, you think about people who are successful and you think all of those different building blocks just fit together just wonderfully. Well, we're going to talk about Joseph and, and note some various things that were su- very successful about him. Uh, he came from a, a large family that seemed to be fairly prosperous, and he was very well loved by his father. You probably remember the account of him receiving a a coat of honor, a coat of many colors uh, from his father. And we also know that uh, Joseph was involved in some uh, world travel, as we would call it today. He spent uh, some many years in Egypt, and there he was trained in Egyptian ways and, and worked under high government officials. In fact, the later part of his life, he himself became a government official in Egypt. The second most powerful ruler in Egypt at that time. So you consider those things and you think, wow, what a success story. All the right blocks were put together. But if you really know the life of Joseph, like Chris was referring to, you know it was filled with a lot of hardship. And so we're going to look today to see how it is through all of that hardship. Joseph also became very successful. Well, there's a phrase that's repeated throughout Joseph's life that holds the key for that success. It's this. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. So today we want to see how the Lord is also with us and how he is shaping our lives. And sometimes he does that like he's a blacksmith working on an anvil who has to take that hard piece of steel and he has to pound it to shape it the way he wants it to be. Today, the first of a three-part series of messages, we're going to see how God trains us and, and shapes us through various trials that we go through. Now the trials already were beginning in Joseph's early life. The first pages that we are introduced to the life of Joseph are about his relationships starting, first of all, with his family. Now, we might today say that Joseph came from a family that was um, messed up. (laughs) Uh, His father had two wives and two concubines. So there was four ladies in the house. And from those four ladies, he produced 12 boys and a girl. And they didn't always get along real well either. In fact, uh, at one time, uh, Joseph was noted as being the favorite child. Yeah, he was loved by his dad, but loved more than any of the other kids. And you know, that just created some envy and rivalry within the family. He got that coat of many colors, was even given some assignments to go out in the field and check up on your brothers that they're doing their work and bring report back to me. (laughs) In addition to that... uh, Joseph had some interesting dreams. One dream was with, there were 12 uh, stalks of, of corn lying in the field and, and, he, and his rose up and the other 11 bowed down to them, indicating that his brothers would bow down to him someday. And then he had another dream where there were 12 stars and the 11 of them bowed down to his star and even the sun and the moon, representing his mom and dad, bowed down to his star. Well, you can imagine that that didn't sit well with the other family members as far as how he viewed himself in regard to them. In fact, the Bible tells us that his brothers hated him. They wouldn't speak any kind words to him. And then one day when he was coming to check up on them, they decided to turn against him. So they captured him, they ripped up his coat, and at first were going to kill him, but then were stopped by one of the older brothers and threw him into a pit instead. And then they had the idea that instead of killing him, they'd just get rid of him by selling him to some slave traders that were going by. And so Joseph is kidnapped by his own brothers, sold as a slave, and now does that world travel down to Egypt where he becomes a slave. Now, even in that situation, things weren't so bad. Here's what the scriptures say. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master, who happened to be the captain of the guard for Pharaoh. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. So even through those tough circumstances, Joseph was blessed in that he ended up being in a pretty good situation. But you maybe know that there's a little more to the story. Because the wife of this captain of the guard, who was named Potiphar, so we'll call her Mrs. Potiphar, had eyes for Joseph. She wanted to have an affair with him and kept dogging him day after day to go to bed with her. But he would always refuse. And finally, at one point, he stood up to her and said, How can I do this wicked thing and sin against my God? She was so frustrated with him that she turned against him then and accused him of sexual assault. Well, that ended him up in prison. But look what happened there. While Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all of those held in the prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So we can look at at those events in Joseph's life and see the the dysfunction and the troubles that were there in his relationships, but see yet how the Lord was training him through those trials. Here are the lessons, the life lessons that Joseph was learning through these relationships. First of all, he's learning about servanthood versus self-service. Now, I imagine that those dreams that Joseph had probably bolstered up his pride a bit, right? Because he thought, these guys are all going to be serving me. And the fact that he was so dearly loved by his dad and shown favoritism, he thought maybe everybody would take care of little Joseph. But God wanted to reshape that in his life. And putting him through those trials, like a blacksmith pounding on an anvil, He shaped in him instead an attitude of servanthood. He was here to take care of others. He demonstrated that even then when he was in prison and could have been just thinking about himself, he was taking care of the needs of others. Now, can you see how maybe God has done that in your life? Can you see how maybe God has caused certain events to happen put you through certain experiences where he has taken the attention off of you so that you see it's about others. He was training Joseph to be a leader, but a servant leader. If you see yourself in a position of leadership now, whether as a parent or or somebody at work that's in a position of leadership or here at church, we do it with a heart of servanthood that is, looking at the needs of others, that comes about when God creates in us or molds in us, shapes in us, that character of humility versus pride. I'm sure that Joseph was a little braggart about that coat he wore and the responsibility that Daddy gave him over his brothers or those dreams that he had. But if you ever grown up with older brothers? You know they have a way of humbling you. And they did Joseph he soon realized it wasn't about him. God humbled him through those experiences. He might have even thought, hey, I lined it up in a pretty good job situation. I'm working for the captain of Pharaoh's guard. But he soon found out that it wasn't about him. It was about serving God. And so he found out that it's not about who we are and what we are, but what God wants us to be. Humility. When you've learned the lesson of, of servanthood and humility, then God shapes in you a concern for others versus indifference. He exper- Joseph experienced the indifference from his brothers. They were only concerned about themselves, not even concerned about how Dad would feel losing his favorite son. He felt that indifference from Mrs. Potiphar, who only wanted things to please her, not considering her husband or Joseph or any other situation. But through servanthood and humility, God shapes in us that character of concern, where he was there to help others. Can you see how God has been training you, building that character in you? Can you see how he's been doing that through people? There is one person in particular that God has shaped that character in us. With his love, God has shaped that attitude of servanthood and humility and concern through Jesus, who came to serve us. For Jesus, who is in God, who is God, did not consider equality with God something that he should hold on to, but instead he laid it aside becoming a human like us and taking on the form of a servant, being obedient to all of God's laws with his life for us, and then being obedient to the point of death, obedient to the Father's will to lay down his life in our place, to take away from us the penalty of our sins, serving us. And then rising again from the dead to also serve us. To let us know that we too will live again. Jesus came in humility as a servant with concern for us. And that's not just what he did 2,000 years ago. It's what he continues to do for us today. Jesus still serves us. He intercedes for the Father on our behalf. He takes our needs and concerns and brings them to the Father for us. And he works all things out, ruling over the universe for our sake. Jesus still serves us and meets our needs. When we consider the hardships that we go through, let's remember the care that our Savior gives us and bring our needs to him who cares so deeply for us, those hardships can be difficult, though, but if we look at them through God's perspective, we see how God is training us. Let's stop at this point and listen to our first scripture reading from Hebrews chapter 12. There, the writer is reminding us about discipline, which is really training, how God is demonstrating His love for us through hardship to train in us, to shape us, to be the people that serve him. Chris, would you read, please, from Hebrews 12?
1: And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons or daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of Spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it.
0: When we see through God's eyes of grace all that He's trying to shape us to be, even as we look at the hardships, we need simply exclaim, These are God's mercies, sweet mercies. Perhaps it's easier now to look at the hardships we experience with people and and see how God is shaping us, but it might be a little bit harder for us to understand how God may also be working through temptations to shape us. Because the scriptures tell us that God surely tempts no one. But these temptations come from within us and from around the world, from the world around us. But it doesn't mean that God still won't be working, working to shape in us a particular character. Now, I already related to you that major temptation that was there for Joseph, when Mrs. Potiphar wanted to have an affair with him, but he refused. You see, he considered faithfulness to God more important than whatever benefits he could receive personally or through his status in the house. So, God was bending him and shaping his character, even in that temptation In certain ways. To rely on him and to trust God's will. That life lesson might simply be stated this way. He was learning the importance of the soul versus the benefits that come from the world. And there could have been some benefits there. Benefits of the the privilege of being in in the favor of the missus of the house or whatever other things might have come from it. But that wasn't the key thing. Joseph was living the the lesson that Jesus himself would teach later on, that what can a person profit if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? And that came about as God was building in him a character of of self-control. There's a proverb that goes like this. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. God wants to build in us that character of self-control so they are like walls surrounding a city. Walls around us to protect us from whatever influence might come in to defeat us. Now it's true that Joseph did suffer some defeat and some losses. He, he lost that wonderful coat of many colors. He lost his coat in the hands of Mrs. Potiphar as he fled from her. And he probably lost all sorts of other privileges that would come from his activity in the house. But he didn't lose his character. Joseph realized how important it was to be faithful to God. Now, somebody could maybe bring up the argument and say, yeah, but what did it get him? I mean, maybe life would have been better for him had he given in. Instead, he's falsely accused of sexual misconduct and unjustly ends up in prison. How was that good? How was God blessing that? How was indeed God with him in those situations? But again, we're mindful of what the scripture said that the Lord was with Joseph and prospered him. And so wherever he was, in whatever situation he was in, the Lord blessed Joseph. Now you and I continue to be shaped like Joseph with God's love, even in temptations. Yes, there are those times when maybe we have that self-control And we're able to say no to sin and be faithful to God. But I'm sure you can think of many times when you've also fallen, when you haven't been faithful to God. When you have bought the argument of the world, you know it's better to do it. And there won't be any repercussions from it anyway. Even then, God still blesses us with his love as he forgives us. Because that's the very reason Jesus came into this world. Was to rescue us from those falls that we take into sin. Jesus came and was obedient to every temptation that he experienced. Temptations that were much more powerful for him than they were those temptations that come to us. He was obedient so that there is a perfect standard of righteousness that God now gives to us through faith in Jesus. And Jesus came to put himself in our place, not only under the law, but also under the wrath of God. Jesus took upon himself all of our falls, all of our guilt, so that we would not be punished by God for them. That penalty is removed. And instead, God simply declares we're innocent. His word declares us that we're restored. We're in a right relationship again with God. And now that's why I want to fight against that temptation Not because I will never be forgiven, but because I am forgiven. And I want to live in a right way with God. To be blessed by Him and to honor and glorify Him. His word not only declares that, but His word comforts me and defends me. I can use His word just like Joseph to fight off those fiery darts of temptation that Satan shoots my way. I can simply say, how can I do this and sin against my God? His word can be like a shield and it can be like a sword. It can cut through every false, deceptive argument that the world throws my way. So you see, even in temptation... God can be shaping in us a character that is pleasing to Him. That's how God trains us through those trials. Let's hear now another message of Scripture. The words of Jesus as He reminds us that in troubles to still have peace because of who He is. Chris. The words of our Lord from John chapter 14.
1: Not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I am going there to, to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, We don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid.
0: Sweet mercies from God to forgive us for every time we have fallen, for every time that we have been unfaithful. We are weak, but he is so strong. That's what God did at the anvil called the cross. To clean us, to restore us, and now to strengthen us with that grace through his word. The sweet mercies of God. He continues to shape our lives with that mercy, even in temptations. But there's one more phase of, of Joseph's. Life during this portion, and and we have more coming up in the next two weeks about Joseph, that we also want to look at it, and that is now the waiting that he went through. When he was thrown into prison, it wasn't just for a few days, a few weeks, months, but for several years. The waiting, when you know you have been unjustly accused and punished, The waiting, that he was waiting for God to do something. And finally, an opportunity arose. Along with Joseph in that prison were two other officials from Pharaoh's house, the the cupbearer and the baker. And they both had some weird dreams. Now, Joseph knew that God had given him the ability to interpret dreams that came from God. And so he told these men that the meaning of their dreams would be given him from God. And so he told them their interpretations, which were true. For the baker, it meant he would lose his life, punished for his crime. But for the cupbearer, he would be restored to his position in Pharaoh's service. So Joseph saw this as an opportunity for him to get out of jail. He said, now remember me when you get into Pharaoh's house and speak well of me so I can get out of here. But the cupbearer forgot. Didn't think any more about Joseph because his life was okay. And Joseph remained in prison for two more years before the Lord would act again. The waiting that he went through But God was doing something during that waiting, just like he does for us. During that period of waiting, God was shaping in Joseph a character to trust in God versus trusting in man. You see, Joseph thought maybe he had an out. He had a get-out-of-jail card free through his interpretation of the dream. It didn't happen, at least not in that timing. God was teaching Joseph and us this valuable lesson. Don't just wait for something. Wait on the Lord for that something. He was building in him some trust for God's timing and God's way. God may delay his answers to our prayers, they don't necessarily mean they are denials. Joseph learned this valuable lesson of waiting on the Lord for what you're waiting for. He came to understand things would happen God's way. Now, Sometimes God removes the crutches from our life so that we learn to walk by faith and trust in Him and not by our own abilities or our own conniving and getting things to work. It's always true, however, that we're dependent on him for everything. We understand that about our salvation. Our salvation has been done completely by God, and it's perfect. But so all the blessings and the shaping of our lives comes by his grace and will alone. So while Joseph is in prison, he's actually in school learning the valuable lesson that patience makes us stronger. It's like the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5. We rejoice in our sufferings because suffering produces character and character produces perseverance, patience, and perseverance produces hope. That is a confidence in the future. And that hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts. God has shaped us with His love. So as we go through periods waiting for God's will to occur, let's just trust in Him, understanding that He is making us strong, stronger for another opportunity to serve Him and others. And we'll see what that was for Joseph Next week. But let's focus on us right now. What does God want to do with you? What does he want to shape you to be like? We don't have to guess. He's made it very clear. Paul writes these words. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. That's God's goal. That's how he wants to train and shape us, even through the trials that we experience, whether they be with people in our relationships, whether it be the trying times of temptation, or just those long periods of waiting. God is shaping you. So as you look back and see the the trials, the struggles that you've been through, realize that God was putting you on his anvil. And through the cross, blessing to shape you. Be thankful for those hard times because it's just making you stronger. So what was said of Joseph can also be said of us. The Lord is with you and will prosper you. It's exactly what he promised Joshua. Be strong now and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And you will be blessed. Amen.